Right, well, good morning, Journey Church. Man, good to be here, right? Man, I know it is. I know it is. Man, it's a good day. It's a, it's a great day to hear a message on hope. And uh, if you're joining us online, man, hopefully, uh, you know, you're, you're looking forward to hearing uh, hope that is offered through the Scriptures. We've been in this series called uh, The Comeback, and to me it's been, uh, it's been an incredible series because we, we get to see, number one, the ultimate comeback, that's Jesus Christ. But we get to see some of the great leaders in the faith, some of the ones that we would look to and we read their writings and we go, you know what, man, they were overcomers. They were able to come back. I mean, I think about Peter, I think about Paul, all these guys that we've been unpacking, King David last week, you know, that God is saying to us, and he's sending a message to us, that, you know what, there's an opportunity for a comeback. And uh, today is no different. Today we wrap up the series and, you know, we're going to be uh, moving into uh, Mother's Day's coming up, but this week... I want us to unpack an Old Testament character, and this week we're talking about King Manasseh. And uh, some of you guys may not be familiar with who King Manasseh is, but uh, we're going to unpack this story today, and we want you to know that, number one, there is hope, even for those who feel like, you know what, man, I've gone too far, I've blown it. But there's always hope, because we serve a God who's a God of second chances and who loves to change lives, and He loves to redeem that which people often feel like has been stolen has been robbed of life, God is the one who offers a second chance. And so, if you guys would, I want you to give it up for uh, uh, John Pierce who's going to join us today. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be team teaching today. You guys heard from John last week. He and his wife, Suzanne, shared their testimony. And John, welcome to the stage. Man, we're glad you're here today, brother. And uh, come on in, have a seat. And uh, so John is going to kind of help us unpack a few things today. And, uh, you know, whenever we were talking about this, this message, one of the things that John said was he said, you know, King Manasseh is one that uh, is a great character and it's a great story. And so we've kind of sat down this week and we kind of unpacked it a little bit. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the ministry that actually John heads up. It's called Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered family recovery ministry. It's Christ-centered. Everything about it is based on Jesus and His teachings. It's based on God's Word, God's promises, God's, God's, uh, His attributes. You know, everything about it is, is pointing towards Christ. But it's a family mentality. And so if you're here today, I want you to understand, man, there's hope for you. No matter, you know, no matter how you may have been hurt or whatever. And I'm going to let John kind of unpack this ministry a little bit since you headed up. Tell us a little bit about Celebrate Recovery. All right, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, Christ-centered family recovery ministry. A lot of times people get a little intimidated by that word recovery. They think, is this just about drug addiction and alcohol and that kind of thing? And that is a small part of it, but really it deals with lots of everyday life issues that we struggle with. Um, we have in uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, it talks about we are commanded to love God and love others as ourselves. So when we talk about recovery, it's really just a simple way of saying um, reconciliation. And so we are being reconciled to God, to ourselves, and to other human beings uh, while we're working through this program. Um, so we all have hurts, habits, and hangups, and those are the terms that we kind of use. Um, has anybody in this room ever been hurt by somebody or by a situation? We all have. Um, it could be, you know, maybe you came out of a family that uh, struggled with divorce. Maybe you're going through divorce yourself or have been. Um, grief, uh, the death of someone close to you. Um, relationship issues, struggling with anger. Uh, those kind of life issues is what we're talking about with hurts. And I think a fair question I might have asked up front is, who in this room has never been hurt? And I think if we're really honest, we've been hurt to some degree or another as we've kind of gone through this life. Um, habits and hang-ups. So what are we talking about there? Those hurts, um, 
They cause us to not have an excuse for things that we do in our life, but they do shape the way our perspective on things a little bit. And it can lead to us making ungodly and unhealthy choices just to kind of make our way through life. And so when those things happen to us, what we talk about then in Celebrate Recovery is it's a biblically based approach to repentance and reconciliation. So I don't know about you, but I need structure in my life. Um, What this does, we talk about a 12 step process. It's really just a format. It's some structure that will help you kind of walk through living out the Beatitudes in your life. The Beatitudes come out of Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount from Christ. Basically, he was describing what the ideal heart condition should be as you live out your faith. And that's really what we're talking about when we talk about reconciliation. So today we're going to talk about Manasseh. Um, as Pastor Mike said, um, some of you heard my testimony last week where I kind of relayed. I really thought I got to the point where I had gone too far with God. I started believing a lot of lies. Um, but this story helped me a lot in early in my recovery, my reconciliation process, um, because this was a real individual. You can look in history books and find his story and everything that we're going to share with you from this account from Second Chronicles. Um, and this dude, as you're going to find out here in a little bit, did a lot of stuff. And so it gave me a lot of hope that I had not gone too far with God and that there was hope for me as well. So we'll start just a little background to kind of help you understand who this guy was. Um, his father was King Hezekiah. So if you've read through the book of Kings and Chronicles, you're going to see a lot of evil dude, evil dude, evil king, evil king. Uh, maybe you get a few neutrals, but there aren't very many righteous ones. There are really only three righteous kings. And King Hezekiah was one of those righteous kings. In fact, it says in 2 Kings 18 that there was no king of Judah like him, either before or after him. So he was a righteous individual, led a spiritual revolution of the nation of Judah during his time. Um, his oldest son was Manasseh. Manasseh became a co-ruler with him. That's what co-regent means um, at the age of 12. And he spent 10 years doing on-the-job training with one of the most righteous kings from the nation of Judah. But at the age of 22, um, Hezekiah passed away, went home to be with the Lord. And then we're going to see that um, many of you in this room have probably suffered uh, the, the loss of someone close to you. We're not going to read too much into Scripture But uh, from that experience, you would know it's going to impact you in some way. And I'll let Pastor Mike kind of take that for a little bit farther. Yeah. Grief is, you know, is is a powerful thing. It has a has an effect on us. And most of us in this room, you know, we know someone that we've lost. We've you know, we've lost someone. It could be a family member. Uh, You know, as John was just even talking about that, I was thinking back to being in the second grade and my granny, my grandmother died. And, um, and she died quickly. I mean, it was like all, you know, all of a sudden it was like one weekend, you know, she's gone and it, it impacted me even as a kid. And I wrestled for a couple of years, you know, just dealing with the loss of her. That was really the first major loss. And so sometimes we have a tough time dealing with that. Now we don't want to read anything into scripture at all here because, uh, you know, this is, this is a different, uh, the story here, you know, that we're unpacking, it talks about, you know, how Manasseh changes here. 
And like I said, he had this, this righteous dad. He had this righteous king who was teaching him, was modeling for him, you know, how to lead and all this stuff. And, and we often see times in, in homes, you know, where maybe the mom and dad are great Christian parents. But, man, what in the world happens, you know, whenever the kid goes off the, the deep end or whatever. And so we're going to see here that, you know, grief affected him in some way. Now, we oftentimes will have grief over losing someone. You know, it, it hurts and we don't know how to deal with that. So we start trying to medicate. And we medicate with things. And sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's alcohol. Maybe sometimes it's drugs. Maybe sometimes it's relationships. You know, and, and we just start looking in the wrong places for the right kind of help. And we have to be careful of that. I, I heard this definition this past week, and I, and I love it, where it says grief is a sacred expression of our love for someone we've lost. Grief is a good thing. Don't misunderstand it. Grief is something that we are supposed to. We're supposed to grieve the loss of someone. But we're to do it in a biblical way, in a healthy way, the way that God describes and the way that God lays out in Scripture. And too often what we do is we don't know how to deal with it. And we're even told at times, hey, listen, you just need to get over that. You just need to move on. But there's a healthy way of moving on. There's a biblical way of moving forward. And and so I love the statement. It says it's a sacred expression of our love for someone that we've lost. And so how we express that needs to be in a way that honors God. And in a way that, you know, points towards God's healing. And, and then here's the other thing. It also is a reminder that, we, you know, what, we're, we're standing on the promises of God. We're moving forward because we're focused on what God says, not what I'm feeling. And we're focused on what God's promises are. Like I can remember whenever I lost my mom. I, I'm, I'm a mama's boy. And, uh, man, whenever my mom breathed her last... Man, it destroyed me. I mean, and my brother, I had a, I lost a brother. He died when he was 40 years old. It impacted me. Man, I grieved, 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 grieved big time over their deaths. But I also believe in scripture. I also believe what God's word promises that I'll see them again one day. And so being able to be able to, you know, grieve and kind of deal with the emotions, but also, you know, you know what, stand on the promises of God and be able to move forward and go, you know what? I'll see my mom again one day. I'll see my brother again one day because they've been redeemed. They have a relationship with God and I will see them again. So it gives you hope moving forward and it allows you to heal. And so grief is a sacred expression. It's a good thing of our love for someone we've lost. Now, let's I want us to kind of look at Manasseh here. Manasseh rebels against God um, for whatever reason. We don't know exactly what happened, but for whatever reason, man, he goes down a dark, dark path. He rebels against God. You know, maybe he was trying to, maybe he was trying to medicate the, the wounds that he had over the loss of his dad. You know, maybe somebody had become an influence in his life because we know, you know, hey, if you want to know who you're going to be in a few years, look at who you're hanging out with. And so maybe somebody got in his life, maybe the wrong influences. We don't know, but something happened here. And all of a sudden Manasseh begins to rebel against God. So let's pick up here in Second Chronicles 33. Since he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of, uh, of, the, of the Israelites. So here's some things that God has, has cleared out. He's made a path. And then all of a sudden Manasseh rebels. In other words, he's rebelling against God. And maybe he's mad at God. You let my dad die. You let my father die. And there's people that get angry at God. And they'll... They'll get so angry at God that they do everything they can to go against his teachings, do everything they can to do, you know, to say, hey, I don't need you in my life. I don't believe in you. You didn't heal my mom. You didn't heal my dad. You didn't do what, you know, I, you, you know, you could do. And so they become bitter and angry at God. My brother shared with me one time, he, you know, had a relationship that had gone south and it didn't work out. And 
And just a few months before my brother breathed his last breath, you know, and I, we had had multiple conversations. I knew that he was bitter towards God. He was angry at God. And he called me one day and he said, hey, listen, Mike, I just want to tell you, he said, I've made peace with God. And I'm like, well, tell me what that looks like. And so the more that he unpacked that, the more that I realized, you know, all these years he'd been toting around a lot of anger and bitterness towards God and kind of really turned his back on God. But at that moment, you know, God had got a hold of his heart and got a hold of his life. And man, he was able to make peace with God for the last couple of months of his life. He was a different person. And so here we see Manasseh, man, he's, he's, he's gone down a dark path. He rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles. Everything he's doing is, is really just false religions. It's, it's, as, it's as wrong as you can go whenever you look at the life of Hezekiah, who was a righteous king. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. And what he was doing, man, he, he was pursuing anything and everything. Witchcraft, sorcery, whatever. This past week, our staff got to go and, and uh, do something together. We, we try to do a staff fun day every once in a while where we just go kind of hang out together. And there was a young man that was there who, who uh, asked me, he said, hey, you mind if I pray with you? And I said, yeah, that's fine, man. So he began to pray over me and pray, uh, pray with me. And it was kind of a cool moment. And, uh, and anyway, so when we get done, he said, hey, can I send you my testimony? I said, yeah. So he sent me his testimony, 66 pages long and uh, a long testimony. And so anyway, but he goes into incredible detail about how he began to dabble around in wicked things. And it took him way further than he ever wanted to go. And so he said, man, I started listening to certain music. He said that literally has a demon demonic overtone to it. He said, I began to watch certain videos on YouTube. So it's out there. You know, you and your kids are, you know, exposing yourself to that when you get in there. And he said, what happened? He said, is I invited this demonic stuff into my life. He said, and it took over my life. And literally, it was wrecking me. And so he, his, his whole testimony is about how God has to bring him out of that and has to heal him from that. But here we see where Manasseh is doing the same thing. He's dabbling in the wicked. He's dabbling in evil. He's going down that road and he's going full speed. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, in the place where the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hanam. I mean, here is a guy who, you know, is doing everything he can to desecrate the temple and everything he can to desecrate the things of God. But he's so wicked and he's so far gone that he sacrifices his own children to these false gods i mean i mean i know some of you are probably thinking you know how in the world is there any way for a comeback in this but i'm just telling you that's the god we serve there's times that we in our in our in our human thinking we go there's no way there's no way but i'm telling you god is the god who does the incredible he practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. And so here's a guy who's doing everything he can to offend a holy God. He's doing everything he can to go down the, the, the worst possible roads. And so, like I said, we don't know exactly what his motivation was, but we just know there's a problem. And we know that, man, he was headed down the worst road you could choose full speed ahead and so what we need to understand and we covered this last week is all sin is against god you know you know he he's committed murder he's murdered his children he's literally murdered his children 
You know, when we see that in the news, we think, how could a mom or dad do that? But, you know, whenever you kind of get into these dark areas and stuff, man, wickedness and evil will literally take you further than you ever wanted to go. And so he has gone down probably the worst possible thing that we could imagine, that he would literally sacrifice his children. But like last week, we saw where David, you know, man, man David, you know, did some evil things. He had a man killed. But our sin is against God. Our con- the consequences of our sin affect the people around us. It impacted his children. It impacted his family. It impacted all things around him. It impacted the nation. And so here was this, the other thing we talked about last week is every day we have a choice. So every day we have a choice to either honor God with our decisions. We can honor God with our decisions. We can, we can honor God with our actions. Or we can dishonor God. We can honor our spouse with our words and we can honor our spouse with our actions and we can honor our spouse with our thoughts or we can dishonor them. We can honor our mom or our dad. You know, we can choose to honor them. We can choose to do what the, the Bible teaches us to do. We can choose to honor God's word or we can choose to walk against it and to live against it. And we can rebel against the holy God. And so we have these choices every day. I think back to even like David last week. David chose to stay home when he should have been at war. David chose to walk out on the, on the balcony and, and look at another man's wife. David chose to have her come home, uh, come to his palace, and he chose to sleep with her. And then he chooses to have her husband murdered along with some other men. And then he chooses to hide it. And I'm just telling you, our choices are what we need to think through and pray through. And God always has the best choice for us. But oftentimes we go down a wrong road. And so... You know, we've got these choices and, and you know, John, you, you've talked about, you know, making decisions here. And I know uh, grief can, can affect us in a powerful way. I think you've got someone that's got a story that kind of lines up with this. Yeah, so as part of uh, trying to illustrate these points, we have a few testimonies today to share with you from folks uh, in the Celebrate Recovery Program. It's my privilege to introduce a very courageous lady. She's going to share with you the struggles that she went through with grief. And with some troubled decision-making, the, the daily choices that she made um, after the, the tragic death of her husband. So let's check out this video with uh, Ms. LeVon. January 2017, uh, my husband was called home after a seven-year battle with colon cancer. And um, being a good Christian, I thought I was prepared. I thought I could handle um, the sorrow and the loss. Um, So when I lost my husband, um, I did pretty good for a minute. And then uh, I did the one thing I shouldn't have done. I isolated. I I cut ties with um, friends, family, and tried to do this thing myself. I, I, I had this desperate need to be logged. Instead of going to God like I should have, um, I went straight to the beer and the alcohol and, um, and this man. And so um, it escalated um, to, where, to where I was just so broken and, and so messed up um, that I... I I stopped going to church. I stopped being around my Christian friends. I stopped doing everything that I was supposed to do and just became this person that I didn't know and and I didn't recognize. I went to Enfuego that year and there was a Celebrate Recovery tent. 
way up on the hill. And I'm like, I need to check this out and see what this is about. And so I walked up to this tent, recognized somebody that I had, um, that God put in my life. And I was so thankful uh, that that person was there. And I just asked the question, do you guys just handle addiction? What it, could I come to you about grief? And this sweet man said, you sure can. And so that opened the door for Celebrate Recovery. Um, he told me where they met, gave me the card. And so the next Monday night, I was in the parking lot um, here at Journey um, for a long time before I could get out of the car and walk in the door. Uh, but um, God is good. And he, I came in the door, and I've been here almost four years. The first the first couple of meetings were tough because I was in a room with women I had that I'd never met in my life, and they were just spilling their guts. They were telling their stories, and I'm thinking, oh, no, this is not for me. Um, I'm, I'm terribly embarrassed of what I had become, and I didn't want the world to know. And But after a couple of meetings, I began to share. God used these people that I had nothing in common with, that I had never met, um, to show me grace and to show me mercy. And they didn't judge me, and they didn't look at me with disgust. They, After it was over with, there was lots of hugs and lots of tears, and that's how God um, opened the door through Celebrate Recovery. Awesome. Let's give it up for LeVon. I mean, I love stories of redemption, but uh, I love the honesty and the transparency that's there. And uh, as she said, she, she was embarrassed. And I know oftentimes, you know, whenever we've gone maybe too far down a road, we think, that, you know what, I don't want anybody to know. But there's healing in that community. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But there's, we need people around us. You know, we need people around us. And oftentimes the question comes up, you know, maybe, you know, how far is too far? You know, we've already, we've already read about Manasseh and, and, and what he has done. And many of you have probably already written him off in your mind going, there's no way. You know, how, how could a God forgive that? You know, like I said, we see things in the news and we go, how could God forgive that? But I love this statement here, and I think this is important for us to understand. No matter what you have done, you have not outsinned God's ability to forgive you. Some of you may maybe need to hear that today. Maybe you're watching online. You need to hear that today. You know, God can forgive, but there's, there's some steps that we walk through. There's, some, there's a path that we get on that leads to that forgiveness, you know. And, and so we, we've got to understand that there's nothing that we have done that, you know, that says, you know what, God, this is too much for you. This is too big for you. But he can handle it. And I hope you hear that. And maybe today that will give you hope that, you know what, if, if Manasseh can blow it and it was hope for him, if John can blow it and there was hope for him, if Mike can blow it and there's hope for him, then God, there's hope for me. And so don't miss that. And this next statement is kind of the same thing. It says there's no sin that God cannot forgive. No matter what you've done, God will forgive you if you come to Him in faith. If you come to Him in faith. So it's not what you bring to the table. It's you turning to Him. It's you literally coming to God and saying, God, I, I need you. And I think sometimes what we do is like, well, I've got to fix this. 
And we start talking about what we're going to do and what we're going to change and what we're going to fix. And it's really not. It's really about surrendering to God and allowing God to establish a process and establish a path that leads us back to a right relationship with him. So if we can do it, that becomes work. But whenever we say, hey, it's in, we return to him in faith, that's by God's grace, by his mercy, and literally it's only done by faith. You know, the, the steps we take after that. Those are the things that bring about the healing and the health. But I'm just telling you, it comes because of, of our faith in Him. I want to read this passage to you here out of Ephesians. It says, and may you have the power to understand. This is Paul writing to, to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. See, we, we struggle to understand how much God loves us. And then we really, really, really struggle with how much He can love someone who has offended us. Or someone who has done us wrong. And see, God loves the, the one who offends, and he, he, he loves the, the victim as well. And so when we look at this passage here, you know, Paul is saying, hey, listen, I wish that all of you could understand how much God loves us, how big his love is for us, how much he is able to forgive. And no matter what has happened, he can handle that. I like the next verse as well. In verse 19 here, it says, may you experience the love of Christ. May you experience the love of Christ. An encounter with Christ, a relationship with Christ. May you experience that, though it is too great to fully understand what he's saying. Hey, listen, man, we don't fully understand it this side of heaven. There will be a day when we step into heaven where all things will be clear and we will understand everything. But here, we still battle the flesh. We still wrestle with these things. But, man, I'm just telling you, if you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, he can change you forever. And look at the rest of it. It says, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The power that comes from God. It's not what we, you know, kind of reach down and get our bootstraps and say, you know what, we're going to do this. It is God at work in us. It's us surrendering and then trusting. And then here's the thing, believing what his word says, following those things. It's a path that God gives us. And I'm just telling you, he's calling us to repentance. The message throughout this whole series has been, you know, the very thing that Jesus said, repent, turn to God. Peter would say, repent and turn to God. Paul says, repent and turn to God. And I know repentance sounds like an old, maybe an old word or maybe a religious word or an archaic word, but it's the word of God. So John, why don't you help us unpack repentance today? Right. So we get to uh, Manasseh had a great start in life Uh, as the king's son. He was tutored by some of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, like Isaiah. But now things have taken a dark turn just based on his lifestyle choices. But there's hope. Let's continue reading through this passage. It says, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. God's faithful. He doesn't want any to perish. He will provide warnings there, but you need. But he is a just God and he will act. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and they led him away to Babylon. But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he had prayed, the Lord listened to him and he was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. So the words to highlight out of that, he was in deep distress. It says he sought the Lord and it says he sincerely humbled himself before God. And that sounds a lot like a model of repentance, which the first step is 
We have godly sorrow. We take ownership of our sin. Pastor Mike highlighted this last week with the story of David. We stop making excuses. We stop trying to minimize things. We take full responsibility for what it is that we have done. The next part that you'll see there is that we have a sense of admitting our need. We give up our self-sufficiency. We set our pride aside and uh, we say what God said was wrong. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And then we invite God to move into our life for healing and for growth. Um, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. But like with the story of the other prodigal son from Luke 15, the father's there waiting, ready to act. Uh, We just need to open up that invitation. And that gives him the ability to kind of move in and uh, work in our lives. Um, The next step in that that you'll see is. This isn't just a bunch of words. We say we're sorry, and then we come back the next day and do the same thing all over again. We've made a conscious effort to do something different. Um, Speaking in uh, Matthew 3, 8, this is uh, the Lord speaking through John the Baptist, and he talks about prove the way that you live, that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. So our actions should change. Our outlook and attitude towards life should change. We're not perfect. We don't change overnight. There's a process involved. But people can tell that our motivations are different, and they can see a definite change in our behaviors. Um, it's my privilege to introduce another video here, a testimony. Uh, this is a couple of servant leaders that serve in Celebrate Recovery, an amazing couple. Um, and they're going to talk through their struggles with some of the pride issues and with codependency. So I'd like you to check out this video of Larry and Aaron. I had to change. And it was going to church and uh, sharing with other ladies that I realized that it was my problem and not his. Um, thinking that I was in charge of everything. And I have learned that that is not the case. I came to faith. I'm 60 years old today. Um, I didn't come to faith until I was in my 50s. My God, I found my way by her example, by her um, and my church praying for me. Uh, my church, I've learned people have come up to me when I started going and shared with me how they've been praying for me for a long time. Well, I had to learn to trust him. I had, I had to turn my husband over to God and um, allow him to work in his heart. And so instead of me trying to change him, I just prayed that God would bring other men into his life, godly men, examples he could follow or people that would talk to him that might bring him to, to faith in Christ. And that's what I did. I just kind of let go and let God. God orchestrated a solution for me. God showed me a path when I wasn't even looking. Honestly, I wasn't looking. But because there were so many people praying for me, I believe today because there were so many people praying for me that he softened my heart, he opened my eyes wide and allowed me to really see what's going on. Uh, one of the deacons said to me, what are you waiting on, Larry? And I thought, I don't know what I'm waiting on. I was, I was waiting on my pride to fall beside me and let me follow God without being concerned of what others might think or see or say in my behavior because I thought I was running the show. What amazed me was from the very first meeting I went to, when we went to uh, the Celebrate Recovery at the other church, and we saw what it was like. And um, we went to our first small group share, and I just felt so much love and support from people that were actually strangers to me. But um, I realized then that I had been 
denial for a long time about my own issues. And uh, it helped me to see that I really, I really needed to come clean and um, just get all those buried hangups and hurts out in the open and share them. And uh, then I wouldn't feel bad anymore. I'd feel restored. The restoration came by me being involved, by Aaron being by my side and being involved um, in this ministry. Restoration, uh, I've been, as I've worked a set of steps, we, we use a 12-step process in Celebrate Recovery, and when we get to the tail end of that 12-step process, the 12 steps says to go out and help others. Well, I have some codependency tendencies I've learned as I've worked the steps. And sometimes me helping other people, I can cross a line, I can get too involved, and I can become um, a hindrance to their recovery by fixing things for them. That's not what I'm here for. Um, I'm here to stand beside them and give them strength. Uh, the, the iron sharpened iron um, vernacular says, I have to be with somebody else in order for that to happen. I can't stand alone and get sharpened. I love it when someone's life is changed. Clap it up for those guys, man. And here's the thing. is Their life has been impacted by, by the, the culture, by the, the community that is there. There's somebody praying for you. I just want you to know. I, I like what he said. He said there were people praying for me. There's somebody praying for you. You know, maybe you're praying for someone. But God loves to, he loves to change. He loves to change lives. He loves to heal. He loves to restore. And whenever you hear stories like that, and then not only do they experience it, they begin to share that with others. You know, and I say this all the time. We're just beggars that have found food, and we're telling other beggars where the food is at. That's all we are. And so I want us to kind of look uh, here at the passage in Second Chronicles where Manasseh begins to rebuild. I love this. So after this, Manasseh's, Manasseh rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David from west of the Gihon Spring to the Kidron Valley to the Fish Gate. And continuing around the hill of Ophel. He built the wall very high and he stationed his military officers in all of the fortified towns of Judah. Manasseh also removed the foreign gods and the idols from the Lord's temple. He's beginning to show literally signs and actions of what? Repentance. He's broken over his sin. He's, he's literally beginning to change some things. He's going back and making things right. He's making amends. He's doing what he ought to be doing here. He tore down all the altars he had built on the hill where the temple stood and all the altars that were in Jerusalem and he dumped them outside the city. I love that. He's getting rid of the garbage that's in his life. You know, there's some things that God has made clear. Hey, listen, take care of this. Get rid of this. Quit doing this. And here's the thing. We have to follow God's lead on that. And we need help around us. We need people to help us in those steps. And sometimes it's hard to say no to something. It's hard to give something up. So we need this great community and accountability around us. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings on it. I mean, he's beginning to do the things he should have been doing all along. He also encouraged the people of Judah to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. That's what I love is, you know, he is, he is establishing, you know, this, this community. He's a healthy community. And he's encouraging. Just like we, we hear here with Larry and Aaron. What they're doing is they're encouraging others. They're sharing with others and they're pouring into them. 
And so the thing is, is he restores a healthy community environment, which is what we need. We need people around us. And, and so I want you to understand that whenever we, we do that, whenever we establish those relationships around us, what we're doing is we're, we're building, if you will, defenses. And there's a lot of positive things that go along with that. And so Regina is going to share a, a video here with us of, a, uh, of how God has used community in her life. So check out this video here. come from a very dysfunctional family. Um, I'm the adult child of an alcoholic. With that, um, I struggle with dysfunctional relationships and I develop codependent tendencies. Once I retired from the military and um, I was working for my local county jail, um, I started back to church. With that came a lot of dysfunction I was still dealing with. However, God decided he needed to get my attention, as he so often does, and I suffered an overuse injury, which pretty much landed me on my living room couch for about eight months trying to recover. Couldn't do a whole lot. Um, I had no choice but to deal with God and not be busy. Um, During that time, um, I was invited to celebrate recovery. And since I've been going to celebrate recovery, um, it provided me a framework that I could use to identify my negative patterns, things that I've done that's contributed to my dysfunction all my life. When it came to dealing with my specifics, my hurt, my shame, my dysfunction, um, I was kind of directionless. And Celebrate Recovery has really helped point me in a way that glorifies God and at the same time honors what I've been through, and it's taught me how to share that with others so that they too can learn to heal from their hurts, habits, and hands. Part of dysfunction is you don't really recognize a healthy relationship. So you tend to learn how to manipulate and maybe learn some other unhealthy behaviors that don't necessarily honor God or yourself. Um, At Celebrate Recovery, the pressure was off. I could be me. I could take off the mask. I could really talk about what was going on with me. People truly listened. And that was the first time I really had that, where I had a group of people that I didn't really know really just love on me and embrace me and listen and help point me in the right direction. Right off the bat, I had people who were friendly. Um, I wasn't sure how to respond to that, so I just you know, soaked it up a little bit. We went into a big group and I was able to witness a testimony. That's what threw me. I was like, wow, it was the most honest I'd ever heard anybody be in my life, on a stage, in front of everyone. That really hit home, so I I appreciated that. I needed that. I'm stronger and closer to God than I've ever been. I rely on Jesus every day. My life is not perfect. I still have some dysfunction there in my family, with some of my friends, but the difference is they get to see him in me now. They see me walk my walk, talk my talk, and it's made a huge difference in how we relate to one another. We're no longer dealing with one another in dysfunction. We're dealing with one another out of love and the love that Jesus has given me. For a newcomer, whether they're saved or not, if they want to know Jesus, if they're tired of hurting, They want a different way, a different life. They want to get off the hamster wheel. They need to come try Celebrate Recovery.
because it too can help them with their hurts, habits, and hangups. There's plenty of people here for real and who want to love them. So I would encourage them to give it a try. Let's give it up for Miss Regina. So hopefully I think you've heard through uh, each of these testimonies the importance of community has played in each one of their lives. Uh, healthy community is critical to healing. James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And healing is possible. Um, a lot of times we uh, forget that Christ came to give us an abundant life. We weren't meant to just survive. We are meant to thrive. And what does a healthy community look like? It means getting real about what's actually happening in your life. You heard each one of these three. Uh, You can't fix it if you can't admit that there's something wrong. Uh, The next point is that you're going to receive much needed support. Um, Everybody needs encouragement in their life. Um, It's going to remove unhealthy isolation. You heard that in one of the testimonies. Uh, We think a lot of times when we isolate, we're going to protect ourselves. But really, we just make ourselves more vulnerable. It's through the encouragement of others that we actually can find uh, healing. It establishes healthy accountability. We get we get complacent. We become more less uh, resistant to temptation. When you have others there to build you up, um, you're able to resist temptation a lot easier. And it fosters spiritual growth. You heard Larry use the term iron sharpens iron. Uh, We grow spiritually when we have others speaking truth into our lives. The point we want to leave you with today is that it's never too late for a comeback. Um, We've had the privilege today of kind of weaving um, Celebrate Recovery Ministry, this reconciliation ministry, uh, through the fabric of this uh, sermon on comebacks. Um, Celebrate Recovery, it's not just there to, to help hurting people overcome past mistakes that they've made, but it helps them learn Christ-like character and then apply that to their lives. Uh, today, after service, there is a table in the back that uh, is, uh, has some information from Celebrate Recovery. There will be some smiling faces there to answer any questions you may have. Um, Journey is an amazing church with a lot of wonderful ministries. Um, we're one of those that can help provide um, that healthy community if that's what you need in your life. Uh, For those listening online, um, you can go to MyJourneyChurch.com under ministry tabs. There is a uh, link to the Celebrate Recovery, give you some information on that. You can call the church. But uh, tomorrow night is kind of a big night. It's the fourth year anniversary of uh, Celebrate Recovery, kind of revamped and then uh, relocated here to Journey Church. So it's going to be a celebration. Uh, You'll hear four mini testimonies, much like the ones you heard today from uh, relatively new folks who found healing in their lives through that program. Um, There'll be door prizes and different things, but really it's a celebration. So if you're interested in that, it's at 615. We'll meet in the cafe for a a free dinner, Uh, but we'd invite you to come check that out, and we would love to have you with us. Um, The Comeback Series, hopefully you've enjoyed that. Manasseh, again, speaks really a lot to me personally. You know, the aftermath is he spent 22 years of his life trying to undo all the wrongs that he had done. There was an obvious change in this man's life. Um, Maybe you're coming in today and you're kind of just overwhelmed with some guilt and shame. I just hope that you can realize that you've never gone too far with God, that it's never too late for a comeback. And I'll invite Pastor Mike to close us out. There's hope. You know, we always talk about you know, next steps a lot of times at the end of the message. And, and maybe for some of you, the the step that you needed with today, today was to hear that God can forgive you. 
Maybe you needed to be here today. Maybe you need to be watching online. That was the step. The second step may be to go to CR to celebrate recovery tomorrow night. And begin that, that journey of walking back to God. Of just literally coming back to Him, surrendering and saying, God, I need you. An acknowledgement of that. I want to just kind of unpack a couple of things here. The one, one thing I want you to not miss is this. is The need is to truly repent and seek God. We can confess our sins. The Bible says we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so confession is agreeing with God. But repentance is the actions. And it's the movement. It's the change of direction. It is literally changing the, our mind about how we see sin. Changing our mind about what we feel like is right. And saying, God, I want to line up with you. And so don't miss that. Don't, don't look at repentance and say, man, that's kind of an old word. Say, hey, listen, that is God's word to me. That is God's message is to repent, to turn from what we've been doing and to turn to him completely. And so what, what does that look like? It's exactly what John's already unpacked. Godly sorrow. Take ownership of your sin. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to make excuses. Just take ownership and say, you know what? I have sinned against the holy God. God, I want to ask you to forgive me of that. Admitting need, giving up your self-sufficiency. You can't do it on your own. None of us can. If we could do it on our own, Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. Jesus didn't need to leave heaven. You know, I mean, he, it, we could have done it on our own, then it's, it, we've wasted all that. But God knew that we needed Him. We needed a relationship with Him. And we needed the power of, of God working in us. And that only comes through our faith in Christ. And then this last one here is invite God to move into your life for healing and for growth. And so that's what we call this time. Man, hey, it's an opportunity for you to invite God. God, I need you. God, I, I, I realize I am a sinner. I am broken. I am, I am dysfunctional. I'm whatever. And just taking ownership of that. God, I am broken. I've been trying to medicate all these hurts and these wounds my whole life with relationships, with drugs, with alcohol, with whatever. And I realize it will never, ever bring healing. Only you can. So God, today... With everything that's in me, with all the faith that I have, I'm coming to you. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just say, God, I need you. God, I'm broken over my sin. God, I'm, I'm, I'm broken over what I've chose. I'm broken over the, th- the past that I've, I've chose and the things that I've done. And God, I want to ask you to forgive me. I confess to you that it's sin. I ask you to forgive me. And I want to ask you to come into my life. I want to quit living the way I've been living. And I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so if you're here today, I hope you know that you have not gone too far. That God's mighty hand can reach down and reach you, touch you wherever you are. If you're watching online, you're not too far from God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to heal you. He wants to put you back on the right path. He wants to hold you up as a trophy of grace and say, I've redeemed this one. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, let me walk you through that. You say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you're the only way to a right relationship with God the Father. And so, Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross. I believe you died for me. I believe you bled out your precious blood. So I... I confess to you that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for being my Savior. So, Jesus, will you come and live within me? Will you fill me with Holy Spirit power? Will you give me the power that it takes and the power that it's going to take for me to be set free from whatever I'm in? 
And God, will you give me the courage to go and join with other believers in a healthy community where I can become the man or the woman that you want me to be. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. If you just prayed that prayer with all the faith that you have and you've asked Christ to come and live within you, man, we want to know. We want to walk with you. The Bible says that you become a part of the family of God. You become a child of God. No longer just a creation of God, but a child of God and part of His family. And so if you've made that decision online, man, text us and let us know. If you're here in the room and you've made that decision, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. I just asked Christ to come into my life. I, I believe that I was just saved with all the faith that I have. I believe I was just saved. Man, raise your hand and let us know so we can pray for you. And we can, we can join with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to help you on the journey ahead. But we care about what you're going through. And God cares more than anybody. He loves you. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Father, thank you for John's teaching and his testimony today. God, thank you for Celebrate Recovery and, God, the, the ministry of reconciliation that has taken place there. God, you tell us in Scripture that is our ministry as a church, is the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling men to God. Father, thank you for trusting us with this, miss- this mission and, God, this ministry. Father, we pray that you've been honored today by everything that's been said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for the powerful testimony?